Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am chatting with Dr. Shane Stedman about neuroinflammation and TBI. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor, From a fall on the ice in February 2014, I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, which is available on Amazon, and I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab a free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Shane Stedman, and he is the owner of Integrated Brain Centers in Denver, Colorado. With over 16 years in practice, he has been featured or mentioned in three books, as well as interviewed on TV, radio, and podcasts. He has been lecturing across the country for the last 13 years on topics like migraine, brain chemistry, and various topics related to brain function and rehabilitation. His practice consists of helping those suffering from concussions, stroke, vertigo, and neurological autoimmune conditions. His clinic integrates neurological rehabilitation with functional medicine, immune support, as well as counseling. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Stedman. So happy to have you here. Well, thanks, Amy. It's awesome to be back. This is such a a great show, and it's great what you're doing for the community. Yeah, thank you. And um, you were on the podcast about a year ago, and just this last March, you were on the Brain Health Summit with us. So it's just been really great getting to know you over the past year and um, getting your wisdom out into the world. And, you know, over the this past month, I've been um, upping my podcast production just to get more information into people's hands during this time when everyone's staying at home and, and needs a little something to do. <laughs> so I hope that these podcasts are helping our listeners um, stay connected and informed. So um, so for those who don't know you, Dr. Sedman, I would love for you just to share a little background of how you came to work in the brain injury field. 
You know, my so this actually kind of started a long time ago when um, I was in high school, and my my mom actually worked for a chiropractic neurologist who actually did some functional medicine as well, and he's still in practice to this day. Um, so that was kind of my first taste of kind of understanding how awesome this field can be. And so my mom would come home and she would you know talk about some really cool stories and what they saw at the office and. Um, and then, you know, my, my wife had a, kind of a car accident. So we were high school sweethearts. And then in high school, she had a, a little car accident that kind of messed up how her brain was working. And so she was going from doctor to doctor and, and kind of the same story that we hear all the time in the yeah. office. So she went to this doctor and this doctor and that doctor. And, and so my, my, remember my mom said, you know, hey, can you, can you treat her kind of like family? Cause her family doesn't have a lot of, you know, money. And so he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at her. And, you know, within three months he had her like back on track and, and, uh, you know, so it's like, you kind of remember those moments because it was very cool to, to kind of witness that firsthand. And then you hear all the stuff that your mom talks about when she comes home from work. And um, so kind of in the middle of my, my college, um, my college days, you know, about halfway through my, my undergrad, I was like, I want to do what that guy did. You know, it's like, that's just so cool. Like what he did and, and how many people he helped. And so, you know, I mean, this TBI world of, of chiropractic neurology and functional neurology, uh, I mean, it's, it's been around, you know, for a very long time. And so I've, I've been exposed to it, you know, since I was in high school. And my, I think my mom was working for him back in 93, you know, so um, I've really known about functional neurology since the early 90s when I was in high school. And um, and it's just something that's been great. So to kind of take, you know, I learned a lot from him, you know, so when I graduated, you know, uh, graduate school, and I'm still great friends with him to this day. So we see each other at seminars, and we actually text back and forth. And uh, so he's kind of become a mentor of mine. So I've learned a lot of stuff from him. And then, you know, you just keep growing and growing and growing. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I'm at today. Yeah, that's awesome. And so today we're talking about neuroinflammation and TBI. And I think this is a topic I don't think we've delved into on the podcast before. And it's, I mean, it affects every single person who's had a concussion or brain injury. Um, And neuroinflammation is a term probably many people have never heard. So I'm excited to dig in and kind of dissect what that means and how it affects our brain function. Um, so where, where would you like to jump in with the topic? Well, so I was kind of thinking about this and, and I can go into the geeky side of things, which is great. And, and, and like, I think we should, we could do that a little bit. And I was also thinking this kind of coincidental. Um, there's, it's funny how a lot of times when I do TV, radio, there always seems to be a case that's kind of associated mm-hmm. with the topic I'm going to talk about. And last week, we had this exact case. Um, so I can almost kind of give you like a little bit of a case study because I think people awesome. probably resonate with that. Yeah. Um, so we had a kid that, so we had a guy that came in. Um, so he's been struggling with his brain injury for 11 months. And he is in graduate school. So he's struggling with graduate school. He's struggling with life. Um, and he, can't, he, he really struggles to kind of explain what his symptoms are. You know, so he kind of says they're a headache but it's not really a headache. It's kind of brain fog, but not really a brain fog. And he's like, my brain's just not working, but it kind of works. And he's super smart. I mean, he's getting his, like, he's going for his PhD in physics, right? So he's super smart kid, you know, and he's like, I just can't explain it. And he goes, he even said, it feels like my brain is just inflamed. And I was like, well, you could be right. You know, so we do a neuro exam. So we do this full workup 
and you kind of see this with patients where you do this workup and you go, you know, I see some things I can obviously fix, but you, you don't look like a hot mess from a testing standpoint, you know? So, so then you, you start looking at these patients, you go, well, how is it that you struggle to function and you struggle to think and you have brain fog, you feel like you're going through mud, you feel like you're going through a fog. And, and he even, and then he kind of finally mentions, you know, it was really interesting. He goes, I barely bumped my head and all my symptoms came back. And he wow, goes, I don't yeah. understand how that can be. And we hear this a lot. I had another patient that he was getting out of his car and he bumped his head on the visor. I mean, look, that thing is yep. like flimsy. Done that. <laughs> and he bumped his head and all of his symptoms came back. And he goes, I don't understand. How did I reconcuss myself? And, and so a lot of people ask this question and you're not really reconcussing what you have is you have neuroinflammation that hasn't been addressed. So your brain can be working better, but your inflammation is still there. We can use kind of a simple analogy that, you know, I love using the ankle, you know, so you can roll your ankle and you can yeah. just see it like yeah. well and it blows up like a balloon, you know, but you test it and everything is, is great, but the inflammation around the ankle is really, really bad. And then you can get to a point where you walk and, and actually, my daughter, this happened to her last year. She played soccer. You know, we, we had a rehab. She was doing really well. And then she just kind of tweaked her ankle just ever so slightly. And then her ankle kind of swole. You know, she's like, what the heck? I thought I was doing better. And I was like, well, it just tells me you're not 100%. And there's still, like, some inflammation and some things that we got to work on with your ankle. You know, all the structure is working better, and you're able to run, but it's still, like, not 100%. And so – you can't see, and this is why it's the invisible injury, and this is what all the great stuff you've done, you can't see that inflammation, but what people describe is the brain fog and that, that weird, my brain's not working, but I can't put my finger on it, but I dare not bump my head because everything is going to come yeah. back. Yeah. And that's neuroinflammation. So, so what, how, how can you best explain like what it is, like what is happening inside our brain that causes this neuroinflammation after a brain injury. All right. Perfect. So now we get into the geeky <laughs> Getting side. into the geeky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we have these cells and they're called microglia and, and these, and these cells are, they're great. They have a role and their role is to, you know, they, they kind of protect and they kind of clean up and they scavenge and, and they do stuff. They're kind of like, you know, they could be the janitors. They kind of mop up the mess, you know, and they do all these really cool things. And so they can, they can actually kind of morph um, into like different types of cells. And they actually call them like M1 cells or M2 cells. And so when you have an injury, what happens is you kind of take this microglia cell and you can kind of morph it. And it, and it morphs over into what they call an M1 cell. And this M1 cell is pro-inflammatory, so it actually produces inflammation, So, which it can be a good thing. It's kind of like, kind of like cortisol. You know, cortisol mm -hmm. in our body is good, and it can also be bad. You know, if you get injured, you need the cortisol to activate the healing process. But if you're stressed out every single day, cortisol becomes damaging. That's how these microglia are. I mean, they have a purpose and they have a role to protect you, but then sometimes they just get kind of out of hand. And, and the term that they use is called microglial priming. And so the kind of the best analogy, and I love using analogies, so you can tell us from speaking too. So the best analogy that I give my patients is 
you know, when you, when you put a log on the fire and it's during the winter and you're like, Hey, let's start up the fireplace. I'll go get some wood. And, and you're sitting there and you're like, you're working and working and you have to blow on it and put newspaper and light it and light it again. And, you know, and it takes forever. And you're like, geez, this thing is never going to start. And then once it gets going, yeah. then you throw another log on and you throw another log on. And then, you know, a couple hours later, the coals are just perfect. And now you just throw a, a, a log on there and it just ignites and you're like, man, I don't want to go to bed. You know, this thing is just, I got it right where I want it. And, and it's primed. It's primed and ready to go for the next log. Well, that's what these microglia can do. So it, it can take, for some people that have never had head injuries, it can take a lot to get them going, which is a good thing. But when you have a head injury, these microglia, they become primed and they become sensitized and they are ready to go. So they're kind of like those, that coal. And so now you bump your head on the visor or you kind of jar yourself or somebody bumps into you. You hear that a lot from patients too. Like I was going, I was in the mall or I was at a concert and somebody bumped me and then here comes all my symptoms. And you're like, that tells me your microglia system is primed and those coals are hot that the slightest jarring just put another log on the fire. Mm-hmm. And so that's your, they call them your M1 priming of your microglia. And that system is so turned on and it's ready to go and nobody has addressed it to calm it down. Mm-hmm. And would you say that's the same thing as our fight or flight response? Um, is that kind of what's going on or are they different? They're different, but your fight or flight response can activate the microglia. So there's different gotcha. things that activate the microglia. And, and what they call these is like cytokines. You have cytokine responses that will activate them. And especially with this M1 priming, you have certain cytokines. So I'll give you kind of, so we'll say in the geeky world. So for those people who like to Google, you can geeky and Google this, um, even though you probably don't want to be on the computer with head injuries. But you have um, one cytokine, it's called interleukin-17. And interleukin-17 goes with stress. And so does another one called interleukin-6. So anytime you get stressed, you turn on these signals, and then those signals turn on the microglia. Another one is called TNF-alpha, and TNF-alpha goes with inflammation. So sometimes we'll even hear patients go, man, I ate something, and then I couldn't Mm, think for the rest of the day. And that's your gut inflammation driving the microglia and then driving the brain inflammation. So they're kind of separate but they talk to each other. So, and this is the struggle that people with brain injuries have. If I eat something, if I go somewhere, if I smell gasoline, if I smell somebody's perfume, I can't go buy like a bath and body works that has a lot of aromas in it. You know, (laughs) people are like, I can't do that. I can't, you know, so even in our office, our policies for our patients are, and our staff is not to wear perfume and not to wear heavy deodorant and not to wear chemicals because people are so sensitive that their immune system, if it gets turned on, it just turns on the microglia and then bam, there goes the brain inflammation again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the inflammation is, do you suspect that that is what I often felt? I called a brain fog when I was mm-hmm. in my first probably like year and a half, two years. Um, I, I referred to like brain fog, like just this, you know, like, like when you wake up in the morning and you didn't sleep very well, right? Like for the average mm-hmm. person who's never experienced a brain injury, you wake up. And maybe you're just a little bit hungover. Everything's just a little fuzzy. Everything's moving a little bit slower. Um, that's 
kind of how I described what my brain fog felt like, um, except it was 24 seven, like it never went away throughout the day. Um, even if I hydrated and ate good food, like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. Um, and was that likely the neuroinflammation that was causing that feeling? Yes. Yes. That's, that's what you see. Um, Absolutely, because that's kind of what people do describe. Even that that hungover feeling, they're like, I don't drink, yeah. but I feel like I'm hungover. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because when you drink and you get drunk, that, that creates brain inflammation, and that's that hangover <laughs> exactly. feeling. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so and that's, I think that's the struggle when you, when you get into like this brain inflammation piece is that there's so – it's very multifactorial because, because now it's kind of going back to the fireplace and the log and the coals – I mean, you can throw, you can throw a log on there. You could throw your mail in there. I mean, you could throw <laughs> boxes in there. Like anything is basically going to like increase those embers and, and keep the fire going at that point. And so, you know, digestive function, stress, a lack of sleep, your blood sugar is abnormal. You didn't eat something you're supposed to, too much screen time, too much noise or confusion. Um, you know, driving a long distance, being on an airplane. Like there's so many things now that can contribute to it that it, um, it makes it really frustrated. And a lot of times you do see people that are better neurologically as far as like their hardware is now working, but that inflammatory system is what's keeping them from like being 100% or being able to work a full day or being able to go back to playing the sport. So that, that inflammation piece is, is really big. Um, let's talk for just a moment about second impact syndrome and how neuroinflammation, I mean, you've kind of already slightly touched on it with, you know, hitting your head on the visor, um, but second impact syndrome, neuroinflammation, and why it's important to address that first concussion, um, even if you think the symptoms are gone. Yeah, you know, and I, I think this is when I kind of really started understanding about neuroinflammation, that's, that was kind of what my brain started thinking about was those second impacts because you hear this in sports, like, oh, it's the, the subsequent ones that are worse, you know, yeah. and, and to me it's probably worse because there's not, there's just, the fact is there's just not that many people that really address neuroinflammation. I mean, you said it, this is yeah. a topic we yeah. just don't really have talked about. So, you know, so I think you go through kind of the traditional model of rehab and, you know, some physical therapists will do it. Some of your hospitals will do it, you know, but if you get another concussion, you know, then you just, you just, you just, it wasn't even like you put on a new log. You probably put some gasoline on that. <laughs> you that threw a can too. of gasoline. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and now great analogy. And, yeah, the house is on fire. You know, and they're like, "Wow, that was not expected." Um, <laughs> and I and I and I think that's kind of what you you see out there. Uh, I had another thought that came to my mind, but you know, I, I, it's funny. I even when I I lecture, I make stuff up in my head. So sometimes I'm like, "Oh, that was a good analogy." Um, <laughs> it really was a good analogy. <laughs> like I totally saw it coming. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's your second impact. I think people just don't really address it, um, and so and hopefully, you know, I think with podcasts like this, people can go, okay, you know, we we have to look into that, and then you know, probably towards the end, we can talk about, you know, what what can people do for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So okay, so that that leads me to the next question. So what can we do for neuroinflammation? <laughs> um, what what can be done to help um, relieve the inflammation? 
if anything. You know, I, for, no, there's actually a lot of stuff that can be done, um, and I'll definitely kind of give a list. You know, this is kind of why we do functional medicine. You know, sometimes in the, the neurology world, you, you see some, some clinics that, that do functional medicine along with it and some don't. And for me, this is, I think, a big part of, of the functional medicine piece. Um, even after this this uh, podcast, I have a patient I have to do um, a report of findings with, and um, he he had a head injury six years ago, and so he has dizziness, migraines, vomiting, and nausea, you know. And so we're we're gonna you know I'm actually gonna kind of probably talk about this piece that a lot of times we have to start with things that we can control, and that's what we put in our bodies, you know, because if somebody has a brain injury and you're eating pizza all day in a diet coke. Um, I don't think that's probably the best thing for your brain, you know, because the, you know, what is the aspartame doing? You know, for some people, aspartame is really is neurotoxic. Um, you know, the, the pizza and the grease and the processed mm-hmm. foods, what is that doing? And, you know, and so it's, sometimes it's funny how patients go, well, why are we going to talk about food when I have a brain injury? I'm like, because yeah. you can, those are things you can control. You know, let's start with that. Because there's a lot of things you can't control. So, you know, you can't control if somebody's wearing perfume and they walk by you, you know, but uh-huh. you can't control what, put, what you put in your mouth. So that's kind of like a good starting place. And then there's some other things, too, mm-hmm. if you want to yeah. ask more information. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd love to hear um, more of what your treatments right. are. <laughs> I think <laughs> everyone's good. sitting on the edge of their seat. <laughs> All right. So um, so a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk about, like, uh, paleo diet. So this is probably the most common, the kind of most popular thing at the moment that you can find books on and uh, websites and links and all sorts of stuff is paleo. I mean, you can do a paleo diet where you're, you know, decreasing like your, your grains that are inflammatory and your processed foods and genetically modified foods. And, you know, so we say, hey, let's eat, let's eat really clean. Let's, let's stabilize your blood sugar because if your blood sugar is fluctuating all over the place, that also creates inflammation. Because if your blood sugar dips too far down, then your brain doesn't have enough fuel and it kind of freaks out. If your blood sugar gets too, too high, then that creates inflammation, like in diabetics, and then your brain freaks out. So we kind of start with that basis saying, like, let's clean up your diet, let's stabilize your blood sugar, and let's get some good fats, like avocados and fish and nuts and seeds and those different things that your brain goes, thank you, I can use this to repair. Um, So we kind of set that foundation. Now, there's some really cool, like, supplements that people can look into. Um, Some of my favorite is I love glutathione. And so I'll say it again Uh, because people are like, oh, what? glutathione. So um, glutathione is basically your body's fire extinguisher. Now, this is it's really fascinating when you get into some, I'm going to come back to like the second impact. Um, but this is kind of where some of these concepts of why, why can't two people have like, uh, well, we'll say like two people in a car accident, right? And they both, get yes. so you get rare yes. this. So both people have kind of very, very similar injuries one person becomes a hot mess. The other person has no issues. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that so, up. That, that's a great, okay. great point. So this can come down to almost pre-existing inflammation. So yeah. we can actually look at like, is person, is the driver, we'll say the driver didn't do so well. Is that because they were not very healthy to start with? They're maybe very inflamed. Maybe they're fighting a, a cold or something like that. So they had this inflammatory process and then they got hit. So the glutathione comes into play because the glutathione puts out your fire extinguisher or is your fire extinguisher that puts out the fire. So you could have person A, the driver, 
that doesn't have enough glutathione because maybe they're a smoker. Maybe they eat really poor foods. Maybe they've been exposed to chemicals all, you know, in their, their job. So their body's constantly putting out a fire day, day in and day out, and day in, like over and over and over again. Where maybe the passenger eats really healthy and he does everything, quote, unquote, the right way. So he's got this nice storage of fire extinguishers, and that's your glutathione. So that's kind of one, one thought behind why does one person do better than another person, or why does one person then have a second impact? Well, if you don't have very much glutathione reserves and then you get another head injury, well, now you lost your fire extinguisher, and now the gasoline is just you know, catching the house on fire, right? Mm-hmm. So I love glutathione. And there's different forms out there that people you'll kind of run into. There's uh, what they call like liposomal, which is broken down into like sphere technology. There's pills, there's sprays. You can nebulize, you can put creams on. There's different types of glutathione. But I really like the liposomal versions because um, they can actually get into more of the brain components, you know, and, and really help out with the, and how the brain works and the inflammation. So I love, love, love glutathione. Um, the next one is, turmeric or curcuminoids. Um, so your turmeric, um, they're doing a lot of research and they've been doing this forever, looking at like Alzheimer's and, and turmeric, looking at neurodegeneration and turmeric. Turmeric actually reduces one of those cytokines called TNF-alpha. And we talked about that earlier being one of the things that can promote the M1 cells. And so tina or turmeric can reduce that TNF-alpha that can cross back and forth through the blood-brain barrier. Um, so that can help reduce inflammation, and that's why you see, like, turmeric is good for joints and brain and this and that. Um, resveratrol is another great one. And you, people hear about this all the time. Red wine is good. Red wine is bad. <laughs> drink red wine every day. Don't drink red wine. Well, the red wine component has resveratrol. You know, so we tell patients, like, this is why red wine is good for you, but the alcohol, if you're drinking it all the time, you're probably trashing your brain from the alcohol and not really getting the benefits of the resveratrol. But there are mm-hmm. supplements that are just resveratrol only. Um, and so anytime that people can get their hands on more of their liquid liposomal forms, they tend to be better than, like, capsules. Because you, you can only do so much with the capsule, but the liposomal kind of means they're using a fat, like MCT oil or things like that, to, to yeah. emulsify mm-hmm. it and to break it down so the absorption rate goes really, really, really high. So anytime people can get their hands on a, a, a liquid form versus a capsule, I think that's better for brain function. Would so that be like Tumero? Good. Yeah, like Tumero. Uh, Apex Energetics has Tumero. Um, they also have something called Vero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. And then they also have something called uh, trisomal glutathione. Um, so those are the three that we use in our office all the time is, is trisomal glutathione, tumero, and resvero. Um, we even call it like the neuro cocktail shot. So even at my yeah. house, what we do is we, we put out little shot glasses and we'll put, uh, you know, a, a teaspoon of each. So like five millimeter, five milliliters. And we put the tumero, resvero, um, fish oil and the glutathione. And then we just do shots at night. <laughs> so, cause we want to keep our brains healthy and we want to keep our fire extinguishers full. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you doing that so, with your so kids too? Do. Yep. Yeah. Especially yeah, my daughter, awesome. she plays soccer. So, you know, she had a concussion a few years ago where she got knocked to the ground and hit her head. You know, so I had to rehab her from that. So kind of as she plays soccer, you know, we make sure that she's, uh, you know, keeping her brain healthy and keeping her M1 cells under control so that she can, you know, have a long life with no issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so glutathione, tumero, resvero, fish oil. 
Um, so fish oil, when you look at it, if you if, when people look at the bottle, they always see there's EPA and there's DHA. And, and kind of to make it simple, a lot of times we think about EPA more for like cardiovascular function and hair, skin, nails, where the DHA we look at more for brain. And so there are companies that actually just sell really high dose of DHA only versus most of the stuff that you would buy at like your natural food store is heavier towards the EPA because of kind of the cardiovascular and inflammation piece. But um, so if you're looking at fish oils, you can actually kind of tailor towards that DHA side. And that's really good for brain too. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff out there for brain inflammation, which is really great. There's been so much research. Um, so I think, you know, we could, I can, I can name more on the list and just kind of give a list, but um, those are probably the big heavy hitters that we use for almost all our patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I know, uh, What's the one I take? It's called Inflamatone. It's a pill form. Um, I can't remember the company. Um, but that one, I, I like, um, uh, my, my doctor that gave it to me, she told me um, if I'm feeling inflamed anywhere, like if my hip, because I have some hip issues, um, and she's like, just double up your dose of it for a couple of days. And, man, that stuff works. <laughs> It's way better than ibuprofen <laughs> and way better oh, on my absolutely. brain than ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. There, it, probably in those, like in that inflammatone and some of those products, I mean, you, you kind of see that mix a lot of times of like the yeah. turmeric. Yeah. I know there's turmeric in it for sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you'll see other things like, um, I like bicillin, luteolin, apigenin. Those are some other things that they kind of mix that are more for that brain inflammation. So a lot of times you'll kind of see those blends of different herbs. Um, but yeah, no, no doubt. I think it works really well. I think yeah. the last thing that's probably good because it's probably on a lot of people's minds if they're able to like send in a chat question, they would say, what about CBD? Um, mm, yes. Yeah, that's kind of a big one we get asked all the time. And I actually love using it as well. But there's some definitely some neuromodulatory, some immune modulatory aspects of CBD oil. Um, you know, so those are things that we actually can incorporate as well. It, it seems like we're, for a lot of people, um, it, it seems to be a little bit hit and miss. So I don't kind of tout it as like, oh, this is the end all to be all for everybody. Because there's some people where we give them CBD and they're like, they think we're like miracle workers. And there's other people that are like, yeah. oh, uh, sweet, yeah. I'm, ta- I'm taking this stuff and I don't know what it does. Um, yeah. But it's always worth a try because if it doesn't do anything, then it doesn't do anything. Um, the, I mean, to have negative side effects is incredibly rare. Um, so every once in a while we hear about something, but most of the time we'll try it. And if it works great, then we'll keep going. And if it doesn't, then we'll just move on. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I've been using CBD oil, gosh, about two years now. And I was skeptical. I was like, Ugh, you know, does it really work that good? And for me, it was sleep. I sleep like a baby. Um, and the longer I used it, the more I noticed it helped with headaches and I think just overall inflammation. Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely am a fan and I really like the salve. Um, so like I said earlier, you know, I kind of have some hip and low back issues and, um, at night when I go to bed, that's when it, like you start to feel achy, right? Like you feel it and I rub it on and I fall right asleep. So <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, yeah. We use it the same thing. We use it for the three things that I find it works really well <laughs> for sleep, anxiety, 
sleep, anxiety, and inflammation. Those are probably the three mm-hmm. big things that, that we, yep. we kind of use it for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, you know, my anxiety, ever since I got my dizziness under control, my anxiety pretty much went away. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe CBD is helping with it, and I just don't realize it, too. So, um, well, yeah. we're just about out of time, Dr. Stedman, and I just want to kind of wrap up with, you know, your final final words of wisdom for our listeners um, about inflammation. You've given them a ton of great info, um, but do you have any final parting thoughts for our listeners? You know, I think I think the neuro rehab piece is amazing. Um, I think it. I think people get there faster to their end results um, or their end goal by working on on diet. You, you people have to eat better. Um, there was a there was a support group in town that when I first met them, they were serving pizza, and I was like, "What? No, don't do that." <laughs> um, you know, and when, once I kind of pizza brought that up, they, they changed. Yeah, they they changed really fast, and I was like, "Awesome!" You know, I've been to places, I've been to like Estonia support groups, you know, in the past, and all these other support groups, and I'm like, "What are you feeding these people?" You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, there's things that in life that we can control and I'll say it again, and there's things that we can't. And so I think the things that we can control to get our brains better, that's what we should work on. And that could be what you put in your body, what you're exposing yourself to screen time, you know, going for walks, yeah. having good relationships, having good counseling. These are all things that reduce inflammation and those are things we can control. So I encourage everybody to work on the things you can control because there's a lot of things in life that we can't. Um, and so, you know, there's kind of a list of tools in your toolbox that you can work on. And, and I would say do that. And I think you will help your practitioner, whoever you're working with, get the results that you need quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Control what you can. That's, that's my takeaway. Um, awesome. So anyone that wants to get in touch with you, I do have your website in the show notes, but it's integratedbraincenters.com and integratedhealthdenver.com, correct? Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Studman. It's always a pleasure to have you on and um, have you share your knowledge with our listeners. So thank you for being here. Thanks, Amy, for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed uh, today's podcast. I know I got a ton of great info out of it. Um, And just a reminder, you can find all the past episodes at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And don't forget to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. And just another thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center, Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Thank you for listening, and thank you all for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.